Game Boys. Hey there, Internet. Welcome to the Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux. I'm your host. And with me, as always, he's just finished doing his own stunts and hanging off the door of an airplane. It's Griffin Davis. Yeah, that's right. Um, and if you guys like this podcast, I think you'd like another podcast I do. Um, it's uh, it's called uh, Level One uh, Scientology. Uh, and uh, I think it's just a cool thing. I think it's cool. I'd like if you could just rate us five stars. Yeah. Griffin, do you have a Thetan update for the people? How are your Thetans doing, bud? Cool. So um, it started with just a little flicker in my palm and now I'm casting full fireballs. <laughs> uh, and all it took was 2.3 million dollars well i really don't understand scientology at all anyways um <laughs> sorry i live like two blocks from scientology and they're expanding all the time uh they just opened a new <laughs> film school down the street uh, they opened a film school apparently uh, expanding into your home and mine uh yeah they're expanding every i mean there's billboards i'm getting pamphlets it'd be so easy to become a scientologist it'd be easier than becoming anything else right now i think well we're all becoming something griff <laughs> So we'll see if I'm, um, but, uh, but Ian, and that's actually interesting that I mentioned film school cause, uh, there'll be a film school connection. That I'll bring up a little bit later on this podcast Whoa. has to do with our good, guest this week. Wow, good tease. We're getting really good at radio. Anyways. Um, Griffin, uh, Griffin, I heard something about you. Um, <laughs> I heard I'm sure from a awful. mutual friend of ours, oh, no. um, that you are a fan of the Phantom Menace, the movie. Huge fan, huge defender. Uh, I think it's a competent action adventure film. I think there are set pieces people remember to this day. And if there wasn't, guess what? There wouldn't be an incredibly popular N64 video game about pod racing. All right. I agree That's with just you the tip the pod of my racing spear. game is good. I don't think it's a good movie, though, Griffin. The pod I'll... racing game is the tip of my spear. Uh, <laughs> there are so many quotable things. I was just mentioning to someone at a bar, I think last night, like one of my favorite lines of all, the, all time is, where are those Joydakas? <laughs> like one of the best questions um, and, <laughs> and, and just ever. Oh god, um, this is worth it. Um that movie I'm doing a video about that movie right now and it is trash. Um Oh no. Um yeah. I, be, don't worry, I'll be in the comment section. Oh good. <laughs> good. Because the, the thing that we really need is more people in the comments. Um That's the uh, thing. When you work on YouTube, that's what you're always looking for. Is yeah, more people for, for, like this could be a little more toxic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're trying to get the toxicity level way, way up. Um so they poison themselves and then no one's commenting. Anyways. Uh any video game updates from you? Yeah. Um I I have been playing Octopath Traveler recently. I've been playing a little bit, but my roommates are both also playing it, so I don't have as much time. And you still think it's good? I think it fucking rules, and you're a ding-dong for not liking it. But okay. you know what? That's different strokes, different folks. Um, what I have been playing, though, is the Banner Saga 3, and it's so good. In fact, I, I have been I playing... I don't I mean, even know what that is. Oh, you haven't played any of them? It's like this like tactical RPG... It's like kind of lower stakes XCOM kind of situation. Okay. Um, but there's like a whole bigger story thing. It's like combination Oregon Trail and XCOM basically. Like you're moving these people to keep track of supplies and stuff, but then events happen. You're like your choices affect your supplies and like how far you're moving and like getting delayed and shit. And then, you cool. know, you do like XCOM style fights. It's very good. Hey, man, you had me at XCOM. Uh, well, on my side of things, I've realized I'm too good at Overwatch. Uh, <laughs> and if I want to do, I basically have two options left because I'm so good. Uh, option one, <laughs> double down. Friend request, lots of homies. Option. And just like, you know, just like start start an online crew like the old days. Or B, get out of the game. Because right now, I'm just hitting my head against the wall. What am I even doing? You know, I, I need I, I need to I need to make a hard choice, basically, with this game at this point. So the situation, as I understand it, Griffin, is that you're too good for the ranking, like for the rank that you're in. And you get frustrated yes. by the badness of people around you. But if you wanted to rank up, you'd have to coordinate with other people to rank up with them. I'd have to get team. on with five bros. Or you'd have to get on with five bros. The classic no, there could be There could be girls, too, but they're like bros, too. Sure. They're my bros. Right, sure. The gender-neutral bro, of course. Um, <laughs> like like boys, right? <laughs> like boys. Yeah, true, I guess. I do that uh, but that's my, that's my overall stuff. We'll, we'll keep you updated. We'll see what kind of hard choices I have to make in the future. Yeah, at least um, you're not going to play with me anymore if you're trying to rank up. Uh, but I mentioned film school earlier, and it's funny I mentioned that because <laughs> I, I met uh, <laughs> I met our guest this week at film school on a separate coast, the East Coast, New York University, 2010. 
right? Ooh, yesteryear. Yesteryear. Uh, folks, uh, Game Boys Nation, welcome to the podcast. Uh, funny man, uh, artist, and cocktail aficionado, John Hess. Thank you very much for having Woo-hoo. me. It's great to be Welcome here. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Game Boys. Uh, thrilled to be here. Yeah, it's true. A long, long time ago. Eight years. Eight years. God. It's been a minute. Yeah, this August. New York City. Uh, well, well, uh, well, thank you for coming here. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. Um, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I wanted to bring on some kind of cocktail, uh, but but I was lazy and, uh, you know, like uh, I didn't do the thing. Uh, so I bought us some beers instead. I hope I hope that's all right. Oh, beer is great. Listen, it's not so much about the artistry uh, and more about the alcohol. So... Honestly, as long as we're putting something into our bodies that shouldn't be there. So, um, yeah, how did you get into out. making uh, cocktails? When, when did that become a come a creative pursuit? That's a great question that I only recently realized has uh, an interesting answer. Uh, my grandfather taught me to make drinks when I was I I, I want to say like fourteen at the earliest. That's awesome. Maybe sixteen. I can't. That's when it's like the coolest activity you could do with your yeah. with your you know. And that's he, when your he, brain's like a sponge and you're just absorbing that information forever <laughs> yeah yes, he's it, he's turning you into tom cruise well and so I, I never had a taste for liquor so he um he taught me how to make a manhattan and a martini and i never tried them ever at all and then eventually he uh you know i i got old enough and i started making them for myself and it turns out i I do a pretty good job of it. So I started learning uh, more recipes. I love the classics and finding some new stuff as well as just making my own weird concoctions. So wait, if I hear that correctly, you don't actually like the taste of liquor. Oh, not at the, t- so not at, the time. So at the time. Uh, since then, I have developed quite sure. a taste. Um, I'm, a, <laughs> All right. I'm a bourbon man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. Good. Me too. Um, but here's nice. the real question that has on my mind, which is, of the ones you've invented, what's your favorite? Like, what's your greatest creation? I saw something you created on Facebook the other day. It was that was that grapefruit Negroni? Oh, yes. That so sounds incredible. It was delicious. I did not invent that. I found that on liquor.com. Sure. But uh, that is delicious. <laughs> what an yeah. amazing oh, yeah. website. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible place. Um, <laughs> yep. But the thing I'm plugging today is liquor.com, a website that I have no affiliation to. Um, <laughs> no, so I think my favorite one that I've invented, the one that I've made the most since inventing uh, is called the Sgt. Pepper, which I invented last year to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the release. Of the Who. Yes, yeah. uh, of the release of, of The Who. Um, of the release of Sgt. <laughs> Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. finally let The Who out of jail. <laughs> yeah. The, the freedom. Oh, my God. What a I time. mean, when, when, you, when you keep blowing up your bass drum. Uh, so what's the, what are the ingredients of this drink, or is it a secret? <laughs> oh, no. It, uh, I, I don't quite remember the, uh, the, the exact ounce Ratios, but I can tell you it is uh, apple infused gin that I infused myself. Yep. Um, a little bit of honey syrup, uh, some lemon juice, and then cracked black pepper. Wow. Yep. And you shake that all up, and um, it's, it's real tasty. The pepper. I mean, that sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, sure. and so <laughs> the I kind of uh, like computing flavors in my head and I was yeah, like, yeah, no, this yeah, checks just, out yeah, trying sounds really to good. S- trying to taste it all in your brain. Well, yeah. it, it works really, it works really nicely because you've got, um, you know, being Jewish, I know that apples and honey work well together. We have that at our oh, new yeah, year. Rosh Hashanah, all, t- all yeah, man. fucking 24-7. Damn straight. <laughs> and I know that apple and lemon goes well and lemon and pepper go. So it all went well. And, and um, you know, pepper, obviously, for Sergeant Pepper and uh, apple for Apple Core. They're... Um, you know, the label that they started towards the end of their time together. Whoa, and it just yeah. felt, felt like a nice thematic Beatles cocktail. Well, that sounds tasty, folks. Uh, I know you're listening probably as you're waking up around 730 in the morning, mm-hmm. getting up with Game Boys. Um, you know, start your day off right. Start it off with a Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. yeah a, a great way to begin a day. And one before, before you drive to work is a good yeah. time to have. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, John, uh, we met uh, at, at film school in New York. That's true. Um, but uh, where are you from originally? I grew up in Connecticut in uh, Woodbridge, outside of New Haven. Okay, so you're always an East Coaster, and oh, yes. we met at uh, so uh, we met at film school. Uh, are you, you you have you always wanted to like make movies? Was you doing that as when you were a kid? Yeah, um, I think I always wanted to entertain. I always wanted to make people laugh. I didn't quite realize that I could do comedy as a career until I got to NYU. Um, when I got into NYU, I, I wanted to just be a filmmaker, be a dramatic filmmaker. My um, favorite filmmaker was Alfred Hitchcock, 
And uh, yeah, that's the kind of stuff I wanted to do. And then I realized, wait a minute, I can can start writing comedy, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I found UCB out in New York and I kind of just put the two together. Yeah, that's it's always funny how everyone like is like, I don't know. I'm going to be Kubrick, I guess. And then it's like, oh, wait, no. Okay. Right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, I mean, so, something between really direction. Yeah. Something between directionless 18 year olds and delusions of grandeur. And and so you, I met you in New York. It was and so you sad. Started doing comedy at UCB. Yes. And but then you made the move out here to L.A. Why? Yeah, I was um, I was working at a morning show for uh, AOL and the Huffington Post. And I really enjoyed it, especially by the time I left. I loved it there. It was so much fun. Uh, the crew and the team I was working with, I was editing videos and, and was their assistant editor to start. Um but in the beginning, towards when I started making the decision to move to L.A., uh, the schedule was a lot earlier and I just I didn't have as much time or as much energy to pursue comedy. So I thought to myself, you know, this it, New York isn't giving me what it used to give me in terms of enjoyment and creative fulfillment. So I just kind of. It just felt right around January of 2016. It just started to feel right. So, so now you've lived in LA for a while. A lot of people, a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, combatants on both sides of the war of New York versus LA. Where do you fall on this line now? That's a really tough question to answer. I think because of my upbringing and and so much, I'm gonna have to stick with New York. I think that they each have a lot to offer. I really do. I don't think that I would ever say anything negative about LA. That's okay. I, you can if you want. Well, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't necessarily mean that in like a, I won't say that I that there are parts of LA that I don't like. I think all I would say is that there are parts of LA I don't like, but LA on the whole is a great town, and I really like living here. But you know, I want to find success here, but hopefully. Okay. Yeah. He gives a very political answer. Yeah, this he, is he really... Tries to make all, he tries to make yeah. everyone sure. happy I mean, there's there some yeah. assembling happening, but I think when you boil it down, it's a two two for New York, one for LA, Griffin, so uh, <laughs> suck it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Listen, I mean, LA is great, uh, but New York will always have my heart, and I'll, I'll wind up there again someday for yeah. sure. I think we've said this in the podcast before, but the distinction that's been drawn is a... Uh, L.A. is boring heaven, while New York is a fun hell. Sure, sure. That's which, a great way to put it. Which uh, I can, I know which one I get down with. I love Little Nicky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm also positive that when this heart stops ticking, I'll find myself very, very hot. So I'm going to hell is is the less poetic yeah, way no. of saying so, Yeah. <laughs> it wait, took wait, me a second uh, to figure yeah. out where you were going with that. You know, I just... But you stuck the landing hard. Thanks. Something that the boys almost never can do <laughs> yeah we're real carry strugs in terms of spraining our ankles during the olympics um so um yeah that was a weird reference anyways um so here's a question we talked about your sort of your, your the the filmmaking and and the cocktails but we're here to talk video games and so like how yes. what's like your history with gaming when did you start playing like how big a part of your life have they been sure um i think that video games have always been Maybe a bit of a holy grail for me in a way. I have never been a huge gamer. But it melts your face when it does. Oh, yeah. Well, so and that's part of it. Like I had to stop playing Skyrim because I knew in my heart of hearts, if I keep going down this road, I'm not going to leave my apartment and they're not going to let me back to work. So... (laughs) I, I have to be very careful with the types of games that I play. Um, but going back even further, it took me a very long time to even get a Game Boy, I think, compared to most of my friends. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, or even, like, we never had an N64. My brother and I got um, our first console was a GameCube uh, for Hanukkah, which is, is still a, a early 2000s, early 2000s. And, you know, we really had to convince our parents that it was a worthwhile purchase. OK. And, uh, you know, now my brother plays a lot more than I play. Um, he has his own Xbox. Uh, I use my roommates. Um, but, you know, so I've never played too many games all at once and I think there are a lot that I've missed but it's always been something that I've wanted more of that I wanted to be more aware of that I'm always looking to get more into sure it's an itch you scratch every so often you never fall into buying like a game a month or something like that no although there have been periods where I've done that (laughs) and 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 of course we you and I have talked about Griffin um the Far Cry series which I get super duper into Hmm. Uh, so why particularly those I really like first-person shooters, but I also like good adventures and stories and beautiful graphics. And and for me, all of these boxes 
you know, or checked with a Far Cry series. Exactly. My favorite one is the one where you play a frat boy. Which yeah. one is that? Is that two? I think. Well, I actually haven't played one or two, but I think it's Far Cry three. It's three, okay. which I'm actually currently replaying. Okay. And you and you and you start as like yeah you start as like a uh, of like a frat boy and then like you like get crash on the island and mm-hmm. it's all your bros die and you're like yes. I guess I just have to go hard now and, and, and you get all these tattoos <laughs> or fratty deduction it's it's like a it's like the setup of some kind of like hard R comedy yeah uh, but it's just, but it's like taken very seriously I think it's really fun it, yeah, and it, I've never gotten deep into the Far Cry games my favorite one the one I play the most of is Primal because like. I fucking love because you're a caveman. Interesting. I, that one. I, I love didn't caveman re- times. I didn't like Primal as much, uh, but I, I think it was just because I am the opposite. I really liked all of the high tech weaponry from Far Cry Three and Four, which immediately preceded um, Far Cry Primal. However, you know, and I think this is why they re-released Far Cry Three. Far Cry Five, I still have not been able to finish. It's it's just not as as fun. I just I think it's a little bit clunkier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I get sucked in, I mean, we talk about this in the show a lot. I get sucked into settings in games a lot. So like I'll put 15 hours into a game just cause I think it's in a cool time period. And then after that, mm-hmm. I'll be like, eh, this is bad actually. It turns out. Yeah. But not for $60. Um, yeah, I feel like, true. uh, the far cry franchise is following, uh, the same failed, uh, uh, playbook, um, of Assassin's Creed I thought of, you might of say just that. like every year, uh, like reinstating the brand. Yeah. Uh, whereas they could like, really make great positive leaps and shifts uh, and like make games that feel like fresh if they just did it every two years. Um, And I don't know on a business level if what they're doing makes more sense for them just on a dollar level, but I think they make better games. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't know what Ubisoft's other, um, you know, output is. I know, I mean, Rockstar Games does plenty, but like the reason that there hasn't been a GTA six yet is exactly that they're spending a lot of money, I think, on in de- time. Yeah, in time. And in it's time like, and development. great. We don't care. Like, right. I don't, GTA five was incredible. Yeah. Just wait. I thought the only game that I need to come out is Kingdom Hearts three because mm-hmm. they keep embarrassing me. Uh, and the, every <laughs> every new promotional commercial of Kingdom Hearts three is is just like twisting the knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the worst uh, commercials ever, uh, especially because their commercials for the first game were so See, good. That's why um, if you're like me and you just play like fun, weird Japanese indie games and stuff. There's always something weird and new you can discover about like high school kids who have to murder each other or like a fun ghost. <laughs> like there's all kinds of cool like weird indie shit out there which is that's right. how i mostly play like smaller scale games and it's always for almost this exact reason that like i can't spend 60 dollars on a triple a game and have to like wait two years for the next one but i can like yeah. dig through the random archives of like infinite weird indie games for like three dollars a piece and one of them will be okay sure uh, and some of them will yeah. even be the banner saga which is like, un- <laughs> and that's why you have like zero space left in your hard drive right um, now. Let's not <laughs> uh, one thing I want to mention before we get to the game of the episode is that a GameCube was your first console. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love the GameCube. It was my second console. Okay. And it was like the console, like Nintendo just has a way different creative vision. Uh, and I started with the PlayStation 2. Um, so I got the PlayStation 2 and it's kind of like, that's like your classic, like hard, like, you know, like, this is the game system for teens and adults. Like, had cool next gen games. Then I got this GameCube as this box. And it had and, and the discs were like weird tiny circles, and it had the handle on the on the back of it as oh, yeah. as if they expected people to to carry them around like that on a handle. Like I, a forgot, about, yeah. um, I forgot about well, those. Some of us did. <laughs> there you go. Some but not us, because you needed to, because yeah. you could. No, some of us, some of us who were me would like, you know, be sleeping over at a friend's house, throw like some clothes in a backpack, like, and just carry the GameCube over. With a little it's crazy handle. to me that you wouldn't like something like a console is so precious that I would always put it in a backpack or something. I wouldn't just walk around with it like a caveman. I had well, a, I a, lived. First of all, as we know, I've already said I love a caveman. And second of all, <laughs> I grew up in a neighborhood that was like everything's pretty close together. So it was like if someone was going to like if someone was going to steal the GameCube from me, they're also going to steal the backpack and everything else. Mm-hmm. Like I had to walk like two blocks to get to my friend's house, you know. That's fair. Well, I had a, a one of those tiny, like child-sized, liter- literal infant-sized um, duffel bags, like for an overnight at your friend's house, sure. and, and we would throw the GameCube in there. And eventually, our parents got us um, 
my brother and I, a little converter, I think, uh, to plug into the AC adapter of the car. And then um, we would plug like the actual GameCube. It had like normal outlets so we could play it in the car with like the minivan TV screen. Oh, and I mean, and yeah. that was that was the beginning of the end for everything. Oh, I mean, that in was, the car. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. Those yeah. car plugins. Wow. This is that, that's a. We need to get into that one episode entirely just about those car things. I feel like that's a huge wormhole. Oh, yeah. Incredible jealousy. I felt the first time uh, a friend of mine, I remember remember to this day. Yeah. So I remember to this day, it was after Hebrew school. um, I got picked up by my friend Jeffrey Bieber's like babysitter or whatever, because my dad couldn't, my mom and dad were out of town or whatever. And they were driving to their house and he like, pressed a button and the screen came down on the thing and he like turned on the GameCube and or like whatever system was in the car. Oh, it and I was just nuts. like, this, I didn't even realize this was on the fucking table. But like, what a fucking fad. Have you seen those around lately? No. Nope. Like, w- the fact that um, we, when it came out, allowed you to play GameCube games in them was huge for us for like a, a month. And then we discovered, um, what was it? The Star Wars, The Force Unleashed. And for oh, Wii, yeah. that game was incredible because you, you could, could be do, a lightsaber. You could yeah. do lightsaber shit, and it was the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna get oh, I'm gonna get heated God. if I keep talking about that. Um, well, you should have brought on the Wii version of Force Unleashed. I can't but believe maybe I didn't next think time, of that. Yeah. Maybe next time, bring well, that on. The, the the great thing with the Wii, really quickly before we get into, I'm just gonna get comfortable over here. Um, <laughs> before we get into uh, the the game you brought on, is that like I just regret that there was not as many sword games for the Wii. Like there was like yeah. There was the the only the Force Unleashed. There's also that one like weird like red fa- it wasn't, wasn't red faction. It's called like something else, where you could have a sword. But like it just seemed such an intuitively awesome thing to do with the Wii to just like swing a sword around. Yeah, I mean yeah. they built a Wii like a a rifle holder for the Wii remote so that you could do hunting and sure. shit. Like why would you not do more sword? You're right. I mean they built a steering wheel. It makes no sense that they yeah. didn't have. Um, but swords. speaking of swords, that's from the past. And speaking of the past, that's history. And Griffin, I think you might have a little bit oh of history for this game. That was sick. I had no idea how that was connecting, and you did it. Yeah, you're right. Um, we brought uh, our guest has brought on a very exciting game. But I think before we get into it, we should hear a little bit of history about yeah. this game. The Great Outdoors, the antithesis to the playing of video games. Yet for years, game developers have wanted to bring the experience of the wilderness to your living room TV. Campo Santo is an American video game developer founded on September 18, 2013 by Jake Rodkin and Sean Vanneman, who were the creative leads on Telltale's The Walking Dead game series. Uh, Also joined by Nels Anderson, the lead designer of Mark of the Ninja, and graphic designer and artist Ollie Moss. Development for today's game began with a single painting by Moss. In creating the painting, Moss emulated National Park Service posters from the New Deal era in both color palette and iconography. This first-person mystery adventure game that takes place in the American state of Wyoming in 1989. Players take on the role of Henry, a fire lookout seeking who is assigned to his own tower in Shoshone National Forest. Henry's only means of communication is a walkie-talkie connecting him to his supervisor, Delilah. Through exploration of the surrounding area, Henry uncovers clues about mysterious occurrences in the vicinity as his tower is ransacked and a mysterious man watches him from afar. Today, the boys get some much-needed fresh air with Firewatch. That was great. Oh, man, this game uh, was... That's my impression of a this fire. Was a, this was an exciting pick. I was excited about this game uh, because it's, it's different from most of the stuff we've had on, uh, and I found the the story to be very interesting, especially because a lot of people like really didn't like it, um, but I really I really dug how it ended, and we'll get into all that story stuff later, but first, uh, why did you decide to pick this game? Yeah, I think for a lot of the reasons that you said, to be honest, I didn't know that people didn't like it, but... I found it so different from every other game. Like I said, I like first-person shooters, and this is not that at all. Um, the scenery is unbelievable, and it, it it's a quick play, so it's just it's kind of fun for that reason. Um, it's like four hours. Yeah. yeah, four to six hours. You could play it in a day, and I didn't, but you could. And it it gets it well. It goes from like normal and and fairly, I wouldn't say dull, but just you know, it, it very mundane to batshit fucking crazy real quick. Um, and then there are some personal elements to it as well that I kind of connected with that I'm happy to talk about, but all together, it's just a really unique game. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's not breeze over that. Like, let's get into like, what are some of the, the stuff about this game that, that connected with you that resonated with you? In sure. A major way? So, 
Yeah. So, um, you know, it starts out, you, you kind of uh, go through a menu of uh, choices where uh, it, it gives you a little bit of backstory and then uh, you sort of decide how to respond to them. And one of the things uh, you eventually or you, you, you start by meeting uh, the woman who becomes your wife. I think she's a professor at a university and you fall in love. And eventually she develops early onset dementia. Um, this is all told through. It's really interesting. It's all told through like text at the beginning. Yes. And you it's it's kind of like the whole Pixar or like up thing of like setting up this whole relationship in like a really short time and having it be a tragedy. Yeah. And having it be really sad. Absolutely. And like devastating. hitting your heartstrings like right at the get go. But yes. just in text. Yeah. Also- Right, so just anything in, that goes yeah. back to like DOS style, like text tree mm-hmm. games is immediately big ups for me because I, I love that shit. Yeah, there's something really fun about that. Um, and so, you know, I, I my family, you know, I, I have family member with uh, dementia and um, I hadn't really ever encountered anything like that um, in a video game. Uh, and so reading it, you have to kind of decide how to respond to this diagnosis. And it also does a really great job of reflecting um, the toll, the emotional toll it takes on you uh, having a loved one with this affliction. Right. And so I'm like, oh, well, damn, this is kind of just happening uh, in my family right now as well. It's a weird, sad coincidence. Huh. And it's it's very dark, but I kind of weirdly appreciated it because uh, it serves as a lot of the character's motivation, I think, throughout the game. And, and so that was really cool. On a far less significant note, my dad was a volunteer firefighter when he was a teenager. No, that's like a double connection. Oh, yeah. It's super that's, cool. That's I'm very proud of him for that. <laughs> Um, not in a national forest in, in Stamford, Connecticut, but mm-hmm. uh, still, you know, it, it's just I, I fire safety is also important to me. Right. Yeah. Um, that's Stop, that's really interesting. Stamford, Connecticut, home of the world wrestling uh, entertainment. What? Stanford, Connecticut is where WWE uh, lives. We barely oh. can hear what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Stanford, Stanford Connecticut, Connecticut is where Stanford. WWE lives. So, uh, Linda McMahon ran for Senate in Connecticut uh, <laughs> and d- did not win. Yes. <laughs> Yep. Um, let's get into the Connecticut local politics for a second. I have a lot of opinions. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Well, that's really interesting what you said um, that you that this game kind of reflected uh, a real uh, kind of moment in your life. I feel like that only started really happening over the last ten years in video games because yeah. it's not really like you're like, oh man, like me and Mario, like. Well, I mean, like, my my <laughs> uncle was a very short plumber. Okay, so. sure, sure. Yeah, okay, well yeah. then, then maybe that's just my prejudices. Yeah, I often find um, myself hunting princesses uh, as a plumber. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but I think that in the last couple of years, there's been games that challenge topics like that that are like, "Whoa, this is this is totally new." Like. Uh, interesting why would a game want to do this aren't games about fun like no it's like like uh really building character from the start that way and having this really interesting kind of tragic setting uh to to kind of be the this very base layer of this then mystery story that you're not really sure if it relates at all to to what happened well and and i think it's a really good example of like games being aware of like how they work because that's what you were saying is it's not necessarily fun to like re-explore like your own engagement with like terrible afflictions, like suffering, but being able to like empathize and connect to and live inside a person who's going through that same thing can be really, really cathartic. Yeah. Um, in and, a lot of and ways. In a, well, in, in, in a more selfish sense, I, um, also felt like I could really empathize with this character and thus felt like I was making the right decisions during that sort of opening segment. And I was like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing because I've had to go through this or witness this before. And there's no way that I'm going to lose. Meanwhile, there are no points and you can't lose in this game, but sure. Yeah. yeah um, uh, I, I feel like the only really way to talk to about this game, especially for people that haven't played it and are just listening to the podcast um, is, is we need to talk about the story and then we can kind of get into mechanics that kind of help the story and I'll kind of just I'll just break down most of the basic story just to get people caught up uh, so your your wife has dementia you kind of she like goes to live with her mom and you can't handle it and you become a fi- like you go off and work into this national park right so it's kind of you kind of escaping and like being like I can't deal with what's going on in my life yes uh, you start uh, you explore 
explore. You're kind of on your own. You're talking to this woman on the phone, kind of like Bioshock, where you're talking to this character you've never met. Uh, and all these mysterious things start happening. Your tower gets ransacked. Um, all this weird stuff happens around the place. You see a man watching you. And then this kind of mystery unfolds. You think it might be something crazy or something wild. And then it actually just turns out to be something that's just kind of very simple and yeah. sad and about a, and, and character driven. It, Do you want to explain what the mystery is? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, there are sort of a couple of, of threads to this web. And um, I know that you have you um, come across evidence of uh, a boy who was in the park years ago and your boss, Delilah, dead boy, right? Yes. Like well, a well, skeleton or whatever. Well, so that happens later. Oh, OK. But so we we. We learn that there was a child, and and we learn after th- that that um, he was brought there against the rules by his dad, who was also a firewatch officer or something. And um, Delilah, the the supervisor, said uh, that it was okay. She kept it secret. And yeah, eventually we do learn that the boy died. And it, yeah, because he was like, it was a, a, a National Park Ranger's son yes. was this boy. And he had, he had some learning disability, right? I don't think so. I think he had a, a a very active imagination. Oh, okay. And so he was like, you know, a, a nerdy but but cool kid. And he taught him how to rock climb, right? Exactly. And he died rock climbing. He fell exactly. Um, and so the dad blamed himself for the son's death, and uh, eventually just kind of never returned to society. Was hiding out in the park, um, and was conducting covert surveillance on uh, your character and Delilah. Right. And just kind of being like, just kind of a weirdo, just like he kind of just wanted to be left alone. Right. He's trying to creep. Basically just like a get out of my, my park. Oh yeah. Stuff. Totally. Maybe if I can be creepy, people will leave me alone. Yeah. Um, And, and I, and so I guess now that that mystery has been explained, most people, I think not most, uh, not most, but a lot of people online were disappointed with that. Yes. Uh, There seemed to be a lot of promise in the promotion for this game and just the way that the story was leading up the potential potentially something supernatural or something truly heinous was happening uh and people i think wanted that and didn't get that but i really liked where it went because that seemed to be just a reflection of what the character was doing exactly and and you know like i said earlier i didn't realize that people didn't like it but now that we kind of rehash it i I get that it's reasonable. It ends very abruptly. It does end very abruptly because it's just there's a fire that breaks out at the beginning. It's too big to contain or it's, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You get the chance to name it, which is kind of fun. Um, <laughs> whatever. But um, if, yeah, it, but it, and eventually it, it uh, gets so out of control that they have to evacuate. 420 blaze it. The great 420 blaze it fire. Hell yeah. Um, but it yes, it does end very abruptly. I agree with you, though. It's it's very much not only like a character study, but sort of a, a, a journey down a psychological rabbit hole. It's just a, you never meet Delilah. It's just you and a walkie talkie. And, you know, the the Henry, the name. Yeah. The, yep. the character is played by Rich Summer, which is. Perfect. The guy casting. from Mad Men. Guy yeah, from Mad Men. He's really, uh, really good. He is. He's great. Yeah. He's a great actor. He always plays a fairly similar roles of, of sort of like an innocent, uh, uh, an innocent is he feeling. The voice man. on Archer too. No. Whose voice? No. Not Archer, but the other guy. That might be. I think maybe Chris Parnell. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's okay. Yeah. He also plays the uh, ex-husband in Glow. Yes, which yes, is yes, a fantastic yes. show. But yeah, um, and good. also UCB guy. But I digress. Um. You know, you you kind of journey through this guy's mind, and I think it's perfectly okay because you're going along with him. And yeah, okay, maybe it's not the most satisfying, but it's now like what would it like what what would have been like? I think people have false expectations of what they what what they think would have made them happy with a story. I agree. Like if we had met a fire demon and he's like, "You caught me," well, I'm gonna burn all the fires. And then just you get him wet, and he like swears his vengeance and disappears to the moon. Yeah. What the what the what what would that mean? That's a bad episode of Futurama. Yeah. I think there's a way to make it. I think there was a way. Though to tell that story and make it more satisfying, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what that is. Though I, I think they had to make the game longer and make there be a larger government conspiracy or something. Because because there, but what would that have like influenced with the story? Well, exactly. I, I personally, I think that the story length and everything works really well. And there is um, one of the things that Henry discovers and does sort of recon on is a. Uh, like a lab, like a government outdoor research lab. And it, I think maybe what people's issue was 
was that there were a lot of things that maybe were set up that never really uh, resolved. And sure, a little bit of a little bit of J.J. Abrams nonsense yep. going on. Yes, perhaps uh, it's a good point. And uh, and so to be to be honest, it didn't bother me, but. It is a little bit surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but overall, See, I thought that story rocked. What do you think, Lux? Well, what I think of this game, I thought the story was cool and it was interesting. What really kind of amazing about this game was the way that, like, you don't really change the character and you don't really change the world around you, really, the way that you do in other games. Like, in a lot, like, you have all those interactions with Delilah where you can, like, try to convince her of stuff, but she doesn't really do anything different. Like, even in the beginning, like, a lot of your choices aren't between, like, being nice and being mean. They're about being, like, shitty in different ways. Yeah. And I think that that's like a really interesting way to construct a character. And the game lives up to that where the arc is like him kind of growing into being a more or less detached and shitty person. But like that's like a slow and like kind of subtle arc. And I think the game's a really good job of selling that by sort of not like you have some choices that you make, but the choices don't matter outside of like extending this arc in the same way that like in other games, like choices unlock different play options or unlock different like superpowers or whatever but in this game it was really just about like experiencing the guy and being the guy yeah and i think that that's a really fascinating way to design a game and i think this game kind of nails it in a really interesting way hmm. uh so uh that's the story let's get into the art because this was like a big thing i was really into ali moss is, i'm a huge fan of uh i know him from his artwork that he does for mondo in austin which is these uh, really cool movie posters mm-hmm. that are just like uh, like they just kind of like they assign an artist uh, uh, to basically like do a famous movie, like their own kind of art or poster for it. And they're all incredible. I own way too many of them and I don't have enough wall space for them. But Ali Moss is a particularly popular one. Uh, some of his like go for a bunch of money and are really hard to get. Like some of his, some of his famous ones are like the Spirited Away uh, ones he makes are really, really good. Yeah, they're really um, But crazy. the art for this game is just totally his style. And it's really, really pretty. I thought it worked really well. And it's not the exact, exact kind of art, but I kind of got like missed vibes sometimes while looking at this game, just like experiencing. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, there's some there's a mist to this game just in the way that like you're kind of it's wandering. Not, it's not the or, same artwork, but just felt it felt like it came from. I don't know. Yeah, well, I you're think you're wandering around like a kind of like mysterious semi magical zone. Yeah. In the way I that think you they do did uh, so to, I've never uh, I don't I don't know Mist. Mist is like uh, a very old school like PC game from like uh, the nineties. Yeah, it was like okay. an old puzzle game, and a lot of it is just like exploring this island and it's using a, it's puzzles. It's atmospheric and, in the same way. Yeah, they they pay. I was thinking they pay really close attention to the sun. I mean, like the lighting in this game. It's, it's I think it's mostly natural light, and they really go hour by hour. It's it's very vivid, and. Yeah, the atmosphere is perfect. Uh, it's, yeah. It really, it's really reminiscent of Yellowstone. Yeah, National and the Park, colors in the game yeah. are like incredible. Like the way they use the sun to maintain those like orange, yellow, and reds, and like change where they are and what the shades yep. are, but like keep that palette constant is like a lot of video games don't trade in a palette, but a lot of my favorite ones do. Um, mm-hmm. Diablo Two is a clear palette, for instance. Uh, Psychonauts is another good one. Yeah. Um, well, like for instance, Skyrim doesn't really have a color palette. Um, neither does right. like Mass Effect. I guess Skyrim would be gray. Yeah, grayish blue. Yeah. Gray, green, blue. It it did feel fairly um, it, it tonally. Yeah, but this bl- one has bland. these like have like a real sense of uh, you know, this game. But this game is a real sense of like the palette's doing something, and it like it was chosen in advance to like serve a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it's another one of those games that feels like a really small team of people made it and they kind of like nitpicked every little moment rather than like overextend themselves. I heard in development that they were going to like have like you be able to talk to people and stuff and they cra- and they cut it because they just wanted to focus on just like telling it as simply as possible. Yeah, I think that's a very different game. Yeah. Being able to communicate. I think I think mm-hmm. the solitude is yeah. both necessary for the character and for the gameplay itself. But, I, you know, just a very, again, small detail about the sun. I... I mean, Far Cry a little bit too, not to keep going back to that, but I find it very rare that I believe the sun is in my own eyes when I'm playing a video game and Far Cry, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, Firewatch, you like Squint, yeah. right? Yeah, Firewatch, <laughs> like it, it feels like, especially at sunset, it's like, oh, well, I'm good. I'm just going to turn around because this is uncomfortable for me. And it's true. I mean, they didn't have sunglasses in the 1980s, apparently. So, um, 
Yeah, they weren't in any movies. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. no Top Gun, sure. everybody was I always squinting. I can't think of a movie from the 80s where someone wears glasses. <laughs> no. No. Uh, but uh, uh, Lux, do you have anything else you want to talk about this game before we take a quick commercial break? Um, no, I think I'm just about good on this game. I've got. Well, I mean, if you're happy, then I'm happy. Guys, we'll see you in 30 seconds after we get paid. Oh, man, a wild bear in my living room again? I just cleaned this whole place. When is a cleaning product going to stop this bear? I like to eat your bleach. What? The bear is pulling out a product? The bear is selling me anti-bear cleaning products? That's right. This anti-bear bleach keeps your house bear-free, and you don't have to bear me. Hey, 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 wait, bear, bear, what are you doing, man? You're trying to sell me a product that will stop you. Is everything okay? Is, is everything I, okay I'm at be home? Honest, things are pretty grim. I love oh. sneaking into houses to steal honey, but I'm allergic to the Freon they use in air conditioners, so I need something to keep me out or I'm going to get real sick. Oh my god. I, I, you know, to me, you were just a bear in my living room, but I see that you have this whole life and you have desires and goals. I, I can't buy this product. I really need you to or I will become ill. Physically ill. Well, in that case, I'll have ten. Thanks, and you can buy one too at bearbegone.web. Hey there, Annette. Welcome back to the Game Boys podcast. My name is still Lux, and I'm still your host. Your co-host is still Griffin Davis, and your guest is still John Hess. We are talking about Firewatch. We're at the part of the show where we rate that game, boys. And so here's how that works. We're going to go around, starting with you, John, our guest. And so you get to go first out of politeness. And we will rate this game on a scale of one to five joysticks and give a little final thought about it and why you give it the rating you give it. Um, so why don't you kick it off? I'm going to give this game 4.5 out of five joysticks. And I give it that because I really loved it. I genuinely loved it. I do think... As much as I liked the ending, it was admittedly a little anticlimactic. I think, again, I, I really do like it. Despite being vehemently anti-Second Amendment, I really do like the, the shoot em up games. And so um, having it be really only a mystery game without any sort of action, it got, you know, I, I think had it, it wouldn't have been appropriate for this game, but that would have been the extra half joystick i think um ultimately it was an excellent unique game that i had never seen or experienced before and so i I give it a high rating yeah if there'd been a scene where you could like rpg someone just at the end maybe post credits (laughs) yes if if it turned out that there was something nefarious going on and the helicopter that was being sent to rescue you was full of bad guys perhaps contras or whatever or zombie contras yeah well it's the 80s so it's got to be something to do with the contras um and you get to rpg that motherfucker yeah i'm, yeah. I'm all about that yeah. i like explosions talking, talking Title Firewatch. yeah uh um, just, just so that we're clear the, the iran contra scandal what i'm not gonna do that <laughs> gonna, no, no. i want to know it's uh, it's reagan and oliver north no we're not gonna do that <laughs> next time we'll talk all about reagan yes trickle down uh to our segments uh, well, Griffin, you didn't give a rating yet, neither did I. Oh, wait, I forgot. Sorry, sorry I, I derailed uh, everything. Sorry, Iron Contra. Uh, I give Iron Contra a 5 out of 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I give this game a 4 out of 5. I think it's incredible. I think it was a little abruptly ended, you know, uh, but I really like what it did. It was atmospheric, and it told a really interesting story. Felt like there was something missing to really take it to that 5 out of 5, though. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to go with Johnny. This is a 4 and a half. Um... So I think it did accomplish everything it was trying to do. And more, even more than that, I think that it very impressively made the most out of what was clearly a limited production budget and used the sort of limits of its production budget to do really cool things with the game, with its design and structure. And I like that. I think that's pretty smart and cool. My one thing with it, though, is that like it it's just so linear and like it didn't have it. I didn't find the ending unsatisfying. It just didn't feel that ambitious. Like it feels ambitious in the context of like the games we're used to stories which the video games telling and that it like was very different than that, but it wasn't ambitious in the sense of like, this is a challenging story. 
Um, and I, if I'm going to give a five out of five to a five hour game, like a gone home type thing, I want to do something like challenge, like a story that really like challenges me as a, as a interactive members of the story. Reading yeah. That, that's a good way of putting that. Yeah. Would, would you agree? Maybe it feels like a, a very intimate, um, perhaps at the, in the end, uh, a little bit unsatisfying movie, yeah. uh, in that. Yeah, it, it doesn't. There's nothing huge that happens. There's no secondary location or whatever. It you get in, you get out. There's some interesting things along the way, but ultimately, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And this is a really yeah. good way of putting that. It's time for America's favorite segment, entirely out of segments. That's right, boys. It's time for our segment segment. <laughs> oh boy, um, this is the part where Griffin and I do some silly segments that we thought of with you, our beloved guest. Can't wait. Yeah, that's right. And this time we're bringing back a fan favorite. It's Riddle Me This. Oh, yay yes i'm so glad it's old school really this okay uh, old school John. we haven't done it in two episodes i don't get that feel sense yeah, writing riddles is hard uh i'm gonna give you three riddles okay if at the end of these three riddles you still don't get it you can funnel lux for help okay okay yes riddle number so i am a character from a major video game franchise oh boy and these are three riddles about who i am okay since the wars began, all my friends are dead. My last best friend lives within my head. Okay. I I might need all three. <laughs> okay, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, it ain't easy being green. Am I man or am I machine? Is it... It's, it's not Frogger. Okay, it's not. No, it's not Frogger. But you are. You're. Your head's in the right space in terms of popular. Okay. And in terms of video game characters, that's one. You nailed. That. Yes, that that is um, true. I did. So I'm gonna give you the third one now. Yeah. When it comes to fighting, when it comes to fighting aliens, I'll never quit. If you like it, then you shouldn't put a ring on it. What? I mean, is it? Can I ask yes or no questions? You can. You can just guess. All right. I mean, is it is it Gollum Smeagol? No, because he's not green. That, that was a bad guess. I feel bad. I just I'm, no. This is this is all right. I might phone Lux for help. Yeah, Lux. What do you all got right. for me? Um, I think we're talking about Master Chief. Am I right? Yes, we're talking about Master. Oh, Chief. Oh, is that from Snake from the Halo? Oh, series. Halo. Oh, crap. Yes. Okay. That's right. I haven't played Halo since like 2003. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> totally fair. It makes you look. Better that you don't know. Yeah, you look cool. We really just right. shame ourselves. We get excited about getting these riddles right, and it's really just us humiliating ourselves. No, I think that's fantastic. I I, I wrote three rhymes about Master Chief. That was this great. Is about shaming me. No, I in, <laughs> I invented a cocktail about an album that hasn't been you know around for fifty years. That's I not true. Four it's, pastries today. That, All right. Well, Lux loses. No, I was going to say Lux wins, but yeah, okay. Well, I like pastries. Um, We're doing a bad job at yes and my segment. Um, we're sticking with the wiki dive things and having a lot of fun with it. So here's how this works. I'm going to read the the Wikipedia backstory of a, of a character from a famous video game franchise. And <clears throat> you can stop me when you think you know who it is. Okay. okay. But this time, don't say Mario. It's not Mario. <laughs> he was born in the year 1202 <laughs> to, uh, to, Tonga. to some parents. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he grew up in the town of Tristram. Uh, telling stories about the Haradrim, considering himself the last of them. He imagined himself traveling the world, fighting evil wherever it dwelt. By the age of 11, however, he grew tired of his mother's stories and her growing madness. It was this time that he lost his father to Cygnus. Despite his mother's pleas, he wanted nothing to do with her fairy stories, declaring that if angels or demons really existed, they were free to come for him. Oh, I know. It's, it's Dante. It's, oh. it's Robert Langdon from Tom Hanks, Dan Brown, The Da Vinci. No, this <laughs> Honestly, oh, is, is it The Da Vinci Code? It's a dumb Honestly, bit. I, that is almost as close to correct as you could get without being correct in a certain type okay. of way. Um, uh, is it? It's not. It's a vampire man. I mean, I'll be honest. I. Oh, it's, it's the guy from The Devil May Cry. All right. Nope. I'll keep going. It's not Castlevania. No, but these games, Devil May Cry and Castlevania are both very close to the game that it is from. Okay. During the darkening of Tristram, Kane noted. Oh shit! Well, I mean, I wouldn't have known that. What's the game? Uh, I still don't know what game that is. Diablo two and one and three. Oh. Deckard Kane, the man who says, 
Decker Do you have Kane. anything you need me to look at? I, I'm nice. so sorry. I just, I, I'm not as, uh, I guess I'm not as well versed in sort of the wider world of video games. Well, the, the problem with this segment, and w- which is also makes it fun, is that the thing with main characters in video games, they don't actually usually have weird elaborate backstories. If they do, they're kind of patched together. The ones who get weird, goofy ones are side characters who like have no actual, don't actually do anything. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, both you know, both segments sucked, but like, which one sucked more? Yeah, probably Lux's. <laughs> this time because I, I think got, I'm bringing home the what bad happened bacon. was I got read a bedtime story that I didn't understand, <laughs> yeah, and the other no, one I got about, to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That almost basically, honestly, a bedtime story you don't understand basically sums up my entire brand. Um, and speaking of brands, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have anything you want to plug? Sure. Thank you. Uh, it was my pleasure to be here. I loved talking to you guys. Um, one of these days I'll learn how to answer something concisely and immediately. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're pissed because we're super yeah, concise. We're really good about that. So we have a lot of room to judge. Me and Lux are eyeing each other like, can you believe how... how- unconcise this guy is I have I can't even critique you concisely I have <laughs> all sorts of anxiety no I um yeah I I don't um I don't have a whole lot uh, in the work in the way of um original work going on right now but I can always plug my Twitter and my Instagram we were talking about um the cocktails I make earlier I I post all of them on Instagram so both handles are John Hess one zero zero five. I'm sure that will be in the description. But uh, either way, it's a J O N H E S S one thousand five. I say that because people will think that my name starts or is spelled J O H N, and it's not. So yeah, I'll plug that shit because I got one of those Johns. John J O N. Well, it's Jonathan. J O N is J O N short for Jonathan, or is it just John? It is Jonathan. Yeah. Nice. And, I'm a uh, big fan of that of that move. I think it's a baller cool. move. Th- thank you very much. I, I, I think so, too. Uh, the reason I'm plugging the Instagram is because you have a lot of cocktails on there, and uh, eventually I will be starting either a podcast, a web series, or both of my own where I uh, go about and interview people in bars about their experiences drinking and traveling, um, hopefully to eventually start some sort of uh, Anthony Bourdain-style parts unknown, but instead of food and travel, it'll be drinking and traveling. You should call it the the magical mystery tour yes i agree i don't i I don't that's a very unique name i have never heard that before (laughs) griffin's full of those just a couple days ago he's talking to you about this idea for a song called abbey road that's great that's just crazy i mean there there literally has never been a song called abbey road so i think that would be great i mean incredible with that shit griffin speaking of original ideas follow follow his instagram get some cocktails yeah man I, um, Get drunk in a classier way, you miscreants. It's true. They're really classy and fun and delicious. They are. They're so good. Makes you feel better, look cooler. Yeah. Uh, Game Boys Pod on Instagram. Get on there, guys. The, jump in. The water's warm. Uh, and <laughs> shut up, Griffin, on Twitter. Lux? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. You can find me at Adam Serpent on Twitter. You can also check the Game Boys uh, on Facebook. Also, please... Uh, give us a five star review on iTunes and write a little review. It helps other people Please. see the show who might be interested Please. in doing it. Please, uh, I want reviews. Um, you can also find my work uh, at the Wisecrack YouTube channel on Wisecrack on YouTube or not even a show on YouTube. And then Party World Wrestling is going live soon. So stay tuned. Follow their Facebook page for updates on that. And so that will wrap it up. I'm your host. My name is Lux. Your co-host is Griffin. Your guest is John Hess. Your editor is Yay. Haley Clement. Your intro and outro music is by Matthew Morton, and your art is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye, Internet. We love you very much. Firewatch. Or it should have been more like Firewatch. Well, it definitely shouldn't be either of them, I think, is the big one. Firewatch. 